0: like the old days, hold your own mic. Hopefully by next week. I'm hoping when they get the the lapels back where they have a little better, I guess they need better uh, quality before they pick you up. But that was easier in those days. Then you get sound effects. Boom, boom. Well, we begin a study in the book of Galatians. Just do introduction before we come to the table today. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you give us understanding of your word. Or that we would be a people, Lord, that's about the gospel, not just to know right doctrine, Lord, but to share the gospel. Lord, give us understanding of your word, Lord, and apply it to our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Book of Galatians is called the Magna Carta of Christian Liberty. It is the one epistle that was probably responsible more than any for Martin Luther coming to Christ. It has been called the Manifesto of the Reformation. Very, very important book because it talks about Christian liberty. What had happened is everywhere Paul went, what happened? He would go someplace, share the gospel, people would get saved. He always started with the Jewish congregation if there were Jewish people there. And then once the Gentiles came to Christ, the Jews would persecute him, Uh, He'd get kicked out of town and go someplace else, but he'd plant a church. Well, then these Judaizers would come behind Paul and try to take people captive back into legalism again. So these people had come to these churches in Galatia, not just one church. It's not a church called Galatia, but the churches in that area. And they had taken them captive, so to speak. They had sold them idea that, yes, you, you belong to Christ now, but if you're going to be a really good Christian, you must also be Jewish. Therefore, if you're a man, you need to be circumcised and you need to keep the Mosaic law, because that's how you're going to be a good Christian. Why is it that we're so open to legalism? It's just part of our nature. We want to do something to prove we're okay. And new believers are especially susceptible to this because they want to please the Lord. They've come from a life of sin. Now they know Jesus. They want to please the Lord. So a false teacher comes along, and it's easy for him to take them captive. Just one more. Now, it's not just Judaizers that are legalists. There are many that have come along to Christianity that are legalists. What they teach is that you do the best you can. That's how you get saved. Jesus died on the cross, but you've got to work hard too. The Catholic Church did that. That's why when they came up with the idea of purgatory because most people aren't good enough to go to heaven, so you can go to purgatory and suffer, get rid of the rest of your sin. What they're saying is Christ's death was not enough. But the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And his last words were, it is finished. All the work of salvation was completed at the cross. Now, Martin Luther suffered a lot because God was working in his life. And so he did everything the church required of him. Now, first, before he uh, committed to be a seminary student, he was almost struck by a bolt of lightning, and so he had this fear because the church, that's their main weapon is fear. And so he was very fearful, so he thought, well, I better become a seminary student. I will serve the church. I will serve God. And he did the best that he could, and yet it was not enough. He starved himself. He fasted his, his his friends were so worried that he might die because he fasted so severely. And when he did eat, he ate very very basic food. He wore uncomfortable clothes on purpose, and then a rope around the, the middle that would kind of have knots in it so that would be uncomfortable and cause pain. He put stones in his shoes and his sandals so he could walk and be and have penance and suffer. And he had no relief. No relief. And so he's studying the book of Galatians. He's studying the book of Romans, and he comes across this verse, the just shall live by faith. He'd made pilgrimage to Rome and back, done all this penance, and yet he had no relief. He spent hours in confession. The person he was confessing to, his confessor priest, got so tired of it after five or six hours a day, he said, listen, Martin, don't come back unless you do something serious like adultery or fornication. Don't even come back anymore. He found no relief until the truth of the gospel broke through his heart. The just shall live by faith. Jesus already paid all the debt for sin. If he didn't, then his death on the cross was worthless. It was not worth anything. Now, since that time, the Catholic Church has changed. They used to teach that... The church is the storehouse of grace, and so if you're going to be saved, you have to be a part of the Roman Catholic Church. There's no option. Well, in fact, Vatican II came along, and, and the Pope had some new information, and that is maybe you're a pagan, you live someplace else, and you don't, you're not around the Catholic Church, so if you just are naturally a person, there's natural law, there's natural salvation, if you just kind of naturally keep the Beatitudes, you're a merciful person, you're kind, then you'll be in heaven. Well, the evangelicals, not to be outdone, have come up with something called a wider mercy. And that is, you know, there's truth in everything, and so if you're just basically good, you're going to get to heaven. But, you know, grace teaches, and we have it in, in the song, Amazing Grace. It was grace that taught my heart to fear. Even the law, which is good if it's used the right purpose, teaches us to fear God. But God's gospel gives us the relief of that fear because the law teaches us no one can make it to God. Nobody's good enough. That's part of the gospel. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. What is the gospel? The gospel is 1 Corinthians 15, to 4. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again the third day. And that sacrifice was enough. Now there's a fella heard John MacArthur talking about him. His name is NT. Wright. He's a theologian in England and a lot of young theologues are really taken in with him. and he teaches now that what's written in scripture from the Apostle Paul is really just pagan. that's not the gospel. and to find out what he believes it's hard because he's very wordy. but what he he mainly makes sure that you you know that he doesn't believe that Jesus sacrificial death on the cross, that's pagan. To think that that God provides salvation through the blood of Christ is so pagan to believe that. I think NT stands for not, not right, right? Because the Bible is very clear. The gospel is celebrated in heaven, Revelation chapter 5, when the elders and all the saved of all time and the the creatures in heaven fall down and worship the Lord and say, worthy is the Lamb who was slain and has redeemed with his blood some from every tribe, tongue, and people group. That's the gospel the people in heaven are worshiping for. That's the gospel that's written down. Any other gospel is equal to Satan's first challenge to truth. Hath God said. Did God really say that? Yes, he did. Now, what they do is they attack the messenger first. And so Paul starts with... Normally, Paul gives a greeting, and he says, you know, commendation to you. He doesn't do any of that because this is serious. The Corinthians had some sin problems, but they still understood the gospel. The gospel is at stake here in the churches of Galatia. And so he starts, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, see, an apostle just generically means sent one, right? Just means sent one. But when Jesus, from the disciples, there were many disciples in Jesus' day, from the disciples, in Luke, he called out 12 of those disciples to be apostles. And in Scripture, there's no succession. Now, there's a lot of religions that claim succession. The Mormon church claims that, that the prophet comes from a succession from the original apostles. The Pope of the Catholic Church is successor, But you know, there's only one where the officers passed down. That's because Judas fell away, right? And his officers passed down to Matthias. But that's the only time. The apostles lived. They were the official messengers, the official teachers of the gospel that Jesus gave them personally. In order to be an apostle, you have to spend time personally and see Jesus face to face. Paul calls himself one born out of due time. Why? Because Jesus had died and risen again and gone back to heaven. But Paul met Jesus face to face on the road, didn't he? And was struck down to the ground, and he was saved. And then later, he's going to give his testimony here in Galatians, how he spent time personally with the Lord in the Arabian wilderness, being taught the gospel. So he says, listen, the people that are coming, that are challenging his authority, are coming saying, well, what school is he from? He's just on his own. He said, no, I don't come from a school of man. I'm come from God. This is God's messenger. The message hasn't changed. The Apostle Paul gets a lot of grief in every generation, doesn't he? Somebody doesn't like his teaching on the role of men or women. They don't like his teaching on roles in marriage. They don't like Paul's teaching, what he teaches about the roles of men and women in the church. And say, well, Paul said that years ago. We happened to be in the Civic Center. For a while, we'd outgrown our little space there on 7th the Garfield. And a Jewish fellow called me up on the phone. He was a, a Jewish Christian, I guess, Messianic Jew. I mean, I don't know that he's really a Christian. He was definitely a Judaizer. And he called me said, really enjoyed your service, but I could never join your church. Well, that's like a non-announcement. Why are you calling me then? You can't be a part, you know. And he said, well, I just need to let you know because you're not Jewish. I said, hmm. Well, that's interesting because the Apostle Paul said there's no difference. We're in Christ. Now we're one. Well, he's the only one that said that. Oh. Sometimes we get caught up on, you have, any of you have a red letter Bible where the words of Jesus are highlighted in red and, that, and those are the important ones? No, no, no. The Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's all profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, right that so the man of God might be perfect, thoroughly furnished, all good works. So the apostle Paul, as he's here in the epistles, as the official sent one, his word is authoritative. Now, some have come along and say, well, see, he was an apostle for his day. As we were looking for a church for Hannah down in Florida, I actually came across some churches that had apostles. And I said, That's interesting. These people must be very old. No, the apostles died, and there are no more apostles. Why, do, why, do, why would somebody want to call themselves a apostle? Probably because wrong teaching, but they think somehow they get a little more authority in people's lives. The authority is the Word of God. The authority that Paul bought was the message from Jesus Christ. But what they did was attack the messenger, so the authority of the message becomes less. But Paul brings it right down to a head. He said, Why have you left Christ? I'm sure they're surprised by that because they've been taught, no, this is a little higher thing. Jesus came to fulfill the law so that you can also fulfill the law. No, no, no. Jesus fulfilled the law for us. But he satisfied the righteous wrath of God on the cross. And he finished all the work of salvation. So Paul begins there. And he says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from The dead. He said, I'm the official messenger. The message hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. There are so many people that want to add to the simplicity of the gospel. Just add a little bit here and there. And why do people buy it? Because we want to think we can do it on our own. We want to think somehow we can please God by doing stuff. It's just part of the fall. You know, Christian and I were reading just Genesis 1 through 3 yesterday, and it talks about the fall there. And Satan comes to Eve, and he said, you know, God's not telling you the whole truth. He knows that the day you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to be like him, knowing good and evil. See, what, what Satan left out was, yes, you only know good now, but he made evil seem like something they wanted to know because they already knew good. But then they know evil also. And every baby born is born with this desire to know evil. It's just the sin nature. That desire, that concupiscence is bound up in the heart of every sinful soul. And that's why we need the gospel. That's why we need to be saved. Paul goes on to say that this message comes from him and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. That part right across from Greek in what is now modern Turkey, the southern churches. There were several of them there. And this is a letter that was shared among all the churches. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is all wrapped up in those two words, grace and peace. It's easy for us to read over those words. Well, that's just a, a little introduction that he said, grace and peace. So that just means grace and peace. What does that mean? Grace is the gospel, is the unlimited riches of God at the expense of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that were given to us. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all of grace. You see, if it weren't for God's grace, you'd have never known you were lost. You'd have been satisfied in your sin. You'd have been satisfied in your empty religion to just think, "Well, I'm okay. I'm good." It's the grace of God that wakes a person up to be like Martin Luther and say, "No, this is not enough." In John Bunyan's book Pro- *Programs Progress*, there's Christian before he becomes a believer, and he's on the plane and he's 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 which, wondering which way to go. And Evangelist comes to him. He says, "I see that you're troubled." He says, "Yes." I feel I'm about to be pulled down to hell by the weight of this sin on my back. And I just don't even know which way to run. An evangelist points him where? Ultimately to the cross, doesn't he? He points him to the cross. That's where the, where the relief is found. Grace. Grace and peace. What's that? That's the relationship. Before grace, there was no peace. There's no peace. Peace. The first thing every human being needs is peace with God because before that, you're the enemies of God. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Jesus died for his enemies. Romans chapter 5 says, Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans says he died for his enemies that he might make peace with God. You see, the wrath of God had to be satisfied And it's not possible that our works, because even in the Old Testament, the Bible says all of our works, as righteous as a human can be apart from God, are like filthy rags to God. As good as you can do, it's only filthy rags. So there's nothing you can do to merit salvation. But God instead has offered it free in the death of Christ. Now, the law before all the sacrifices... Were are to point man to the ultimate perfect sacrifice so that when John recognizes Jesus Christ the first time, what does he say? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So we have the authoritative message because God has authorized this man to bring. We have the message of the gospel, and we have the result of the gospel. Verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Isn't it amazing that God looked down through history and set his affection on you to rescue you from sin? He didn't say just from the ultimate penalty from sin that you might go to heaven, but from this present evil age. Paul was speaking to a pagan culture. Who lived in a very wicked culture guess what we live in a culture like that now too and our culture teaches our children in school very dangerous things don't they now children go to school and they hear well listen you might be have born with the biology of a boy but really maybe you're a girl that's a lie why why do we have this now All all this, this confusion coming up because Satan is a liar and a murderer. And he wants to destroy people's lives. And he does it with false teaching, false philosophy. He is the prince of the power of the air. And when you give somebody the gospel, you give them the opportunity to escape from this present evil age. So that there's a difference in that person's life. Because when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you get his life. You get his life. Now, legalists will come along and say, well, then, you can live however you want. We say, yes, if you're truly born again, you can live how you want now because God has changed your want to. He has changed the very desires of your heart. Does it mean you can sin? Yes, you can still sin. You can quench the Holy Spirit. You cannot spend time in the Word so that when temptation comes, you can fall into temptation. But it is now your new nature to please God and want to be like Christ. As I mentioned, we found a very good church for Hannah to go to down there. It was excellence in worship, just true worship. We were there. We enjoyed it and really good Bible teaching. If you've looked for a church, you know, that, that's kind of hard to find. It seems so simple. Open the Bible and tell them what God said. But see, America's filled with places that are just trying to fill their places. And so the gospel is not popular. It's difficult for the unredeemed mind. And so if you're looking at what's popular and how to get people in your church, you want to do same things that people like. In fact, that has become a way of ministry with a seeker-sensitive crowd. Go find out why people don't go to church and do that stuff so they'll come to church. And so you've got a lot of churches. There's some entertainment going on. And there's uh, find the style of music you like and the programs that are available That's not the motivation of a church of God. The church of God has the responsibility, yea, the weight on it, to proclaim the whole counsel of God. Now, Paul knew from the very beginning this was going to be a challenge. And when he left and he stopped by Ephesus again on his way back to Rome, they kind of came out from Ephesus to meet him at the ship. And he warned them. He said, wolves will rise from within your own midst, teaching you to lead to take you away from the gospel. But there's not different kinds of gospel. He's going to say that in Galatians here, there's only one. And if you add anything to the gospel, it's not the gospel anymore. You take anything away, it's not the gospel anymore. You see what we have in the gospel is supernatural. And it's demonstrated by the very fact that Paul is writing this letter. Paul was a terrorist to the church. He hated Christians. Now, Full disclosure, he thought he was doing, he thought he was serving God. He said, I wasn't a hypocrite. I was, I was a sinner with all my might. But who thought, and those that were suffering at the hands of Paul, that he could be saved? See, men take the gospel and they kind of dumb it down and make it palatable to, so that people will receive it. But if receiving anything less than the gospel, it's not the gospel. Because the gospel is supernatural. And Paul was writing this letter because he'd been saved supernaturally by the power of the gospel. That's why he wrote in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation. To everyone who believes. So what's our responsibility as a gospel preaching church? Just share it. Just share that Jesus Christ died for sinners for their sin on the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That's the gospel. Sinners need to hear that their sins will be forgiven if they put their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's not about joining this church or doing some good things or cleaning your life up. In fact, you can't clean your life up to be acceptable to God. That's his job. Romans cha- Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. It says, the king of all the universe stooped down, washed us from our sin in his own blood. He'll do the cleansing. Even as a believer, which what ought to characterize our lives, we're always confessing sin, is that we confess our sin. We agree with God. When the Holy Spirit points out sin in our life, we agree with God and say, God, that's sin. We confess that that's sin. And it says he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us. He does the cleansing. That's the gospel. See, we as Christians need the gospel every single day. And to change it, to put it back on a man, that man saves himself and man keeps himself saved. And you can tell that by the list you're keeping is not the gospel. Paul said he gave, us, he, he gave himself for our sins that he might save us from this present evil age. People are dying out there. They're looking for all kinds of different ways that they might find happiness and peace. And the only peace that's really available is in Jesus Christ. Then we'll end with verse 5. You see, Paul, I think every time he thought about the salvation that had been provided, just worship God. He said, To whom be glory forever. Amen. Here's the question Have you been rescued? Have you been rescued? Are you trying your own through religion or through doing good or through your own lists? There are some people who are naturally very self-disciplined. And they can be on a diet or they can, they can uh, study hard and do good in school. But that's not salvation. Salvation is free, full and free provided by a Savior who paid the cost for us on the cross. That's what we celebrate when we gather around the table. His finished work in the cross that he gave his life. He shed his life's blood. We take the cup. We celebrate. He said to his disciples, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. What does that mean? He was willing them salvation. He would die, which is the payment for sin. And then he rose again from the dead to make sure that will, that covenant is carried out. That covenant is his own blood that he gave on the cross. Father, we thank you for the gospel. Lord, I pray as a church we'd not be just about knowing right doctrine, but we would be about sharing the gospel because we realize that gospel seed is supernatural. It's the only thing that will save, but Lord, people can be saved if we share the gospel with them. Lord, that we would be a people that's not just about doctrine, but we're about seeing people come to know Christ as their Savior. Lord, that we might be found faithful in our time, in our place. And Lord, that you would give us a great harvest this year because the people of this church share the gospel. And then we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. It is our tradition.